بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. I actually wore the blue because I was coming to Chicago. I wanted to let them all know I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> so, um, but before I get started, uh, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things very quickly. It's a beautiful event. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from everyone. May Allah bless everyone for being here today. The organizers, the volunteers, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them. May Allah accept from them. Give the volunteers a huge round of applause. And, you know, um, inshallah, Sheikh Abdullah will be speaking to you all a little bit later about the remarkable work that Miftah is doing. I wanted to also um, just take the opportunity to share with everyone how excited we are at Qalam to be able to serve the community. It's a privilege, it's an honor, it's a blessing of Allah. It is not a right. No one is entitled to this, but it is a privilege and a blessing to be able to serve the deen and the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are so honored and pleased and blessed that Allah has given us the opportunity to be able to serve. I want to just see by a show of hands here, how many people have listened to or do listen to the Qalam podcast? Very good, very good. Alhamdulillah. Barakallah fikum. And um, just inshallah continue to stay connected with us, continue to benefit from the resources that the team at Qalam is providing. And we pray and we hope that Allah accepts our efforts and that we are all able to come closer to Allah and grow in this deen together. The second thing that I wanted to mention, um, and I'm kind of jumping the gun here a little bit. Um, yes, that's uh, a figure of speech using the word gun because I'm from Texas. But um, I, I'm kind of getting ahead of the program here by saying this, but because I'm, I'm so enthused and excited about this opportunity uh, for the Chicagoland community, that I wanted to kind of take the opportunity to emphasize it. I won't say too much, I'll leave it for later, but if, as you were walking in today, as you were sitting down on your chairs today, you saw the flyer, the postcard for a project called Oasis. Uh, this is a long time coming. This is a really remarkable project, a really beautiful opportunity uh, for this community to have a place, to have a space where they can grow. Where everyone from all walks of life can come together and find a home. So we're very excited. I won't say too much more. Hold on to those flyers. Make sure that you connect online and you'll be learning more about that later tonight, inshallah. Now I'm going to go ahead and jump right into my topic. My topic is the Sahaba and the Quran. When I first saw the topic, I thought that Mufti Abdul Wahab had just randomly put two words together. He didn't know what to assign to me, so he just picked two Arabic words, Sahaba, Quran, done. All right? <laughs> no, no, I'm just teasing him. But it is a beautiful topic, and that is the topic of the relationship that the Sahaba had with the Quran. How did the companions of the Prophet ﷺ interact with the Quran? How did the people whom Allah vouches for in the Qur'an ha deal with the Qur'an. The people that are talked about in the Qur'an, what was their relationship like with the Qur'an? 
It's so remarkable when you think about that idea. Because these are the same group of people, Muhammadur Rasulullahi, Walladina Ma'ahu, Wasabiquna Lawaluna Milal Muhajirina Wal Ansar, that these are the same people who time and time again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is credentialing them in the Quran. And what was their relationship with the Quran like? Now, this is a huge topic that we could talk about from so many different angles. But there was one particular angle that I wanted to address this from. And that was to emphasize that what was their relationship with the Quran like, particularly when it came to understanding, reflecting, grasping, pondering the meaning and the message of the Quran. How did the message of the Quran resonate with them? Yes, they read it. And they memorized it. And they recited it. Better than any generation has ever done. Absolutely. But I, because we have a limited you know, window uh, to talk about this, I just wanted to focus solely on what was their relationship like with the meaning of the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what that relationship is supposed to be like. And many of the Mufassirun have stated that these verses were talking about the companions, about the Sahaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Anfal says, That when the name of God is mentioned, their hearts move. Their hearts shake and tremble. And when the verses, when God's verses are recited upon them, their iman increases. And they continue to grow in their trust and in their reliance upon their Lord. In Surah Al-Zumar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala similarly says, Allahu nazzala ahsan al-hadithi kitaban mutashabihan mathaniya. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, God is the one who has revealed the best of speech, the most excellent presentation that humanity has ever interacted with. And that is the word of God himself. And this word of God is fascinating, multi-layered, complex. And different topics are repeated and reiterated in different places in different ways. But what is the reaction to this message? What is the reaction to this presentation? Do they just listen to it for entertainment? Do they just find it, you know, kind of um, captivating for a moment? No, Allah says that they're, 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 they shake and they tremble. Their hair stands up when they interact with it out of the fear of their Lord. And then they become very humble and soft in turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is indeed the guidance of God and He gives it to whomsoever He wills. And whomsoever has been misguided by Allah, then there is absolutely no one who can ever guide that person. The Sahaba interact with the message, with the meaning of the Quran. Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha, our mother, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, famously said this days before the Prophet sallallahu passed away, when he was on his deathbed in the hadith of Bukhari, that when the Prophet sallallahu could not get up to go lead the prayer, and he told Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Muri Aba Bakrin, Fal 
Nas. Go and command your father and tell him to lead the people in prayer. What did his daughter, our mother, the wife of the Prophet Aisha Siddiqa, what did she say about her father? Subhanallah. She said that, Inna Aba Bakrin. Rajulun Rakiqun. Abu Bakr is a very soft-hearted, humble man. When he recites the Quran, he cries so profusely that he cannot continue. Because he wasn't just reciting it. He wasn't just reading it. But he was reflecting on it and interacting with the meaning of it. Abdullah ibn Shaddad ibn al-Had. Rahimahullah ta'ala, one of the tabi'un, the students of the companion, the generation of the successors. He says, Sami'atu nashija Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa inni lafi akhir as-sufuf. He said, I came to the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and I prayed Salatul Fajr behind none other than Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu when he was a khalifa. And I was in the very last row. I was in the very last saf. And from the very last row, when Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu re- reached the verse, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ That was the statement of Ya'qub alayhi salam when he was longing for his son Yusuf alayhi salam. And he was in pain. And he said that I only turn with my pain and my agony only and solely to Allah. I turn in my sadness only to Allah. When Umar radiallahu reached this verse, he started to cry so profusely that he says that I could hear him trying to catch his breath from the very last row in the prayer because they interacted with the meaning and the message of the Quran. It was not just on their lips, not just on their tongue, but it was within their hearts. There's a famous, there's a beautiful narration in Sahih Bukhari about Thabit ibn Qais radiallahu ta'ala anhu that when the verse he was a he was a person with a very loud voice he was naturally he had a very loud booming kind of voice and when the verse came down ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la tarfa'u aswatakum fawqa sawtid nabi oh you who believe do not raise your voices above the voice of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he immediately reflected on that and he didn't just reflect on it in terms of okay let me see who talks loudly to the prophet he reflected on himself and he said, I speak so loudly, I can think of numerous occasions in which my voice was louder than the voice of the Prophet This is wrong, this is unacceptable, I cannot do this anymore. And he was so down on himself that he proclaims, Ana min ahlin nar, ana min ahlin nar. And he stopped coming to the masjid so that he would no longer raise his voice over the voice of the Prophet A day or two went by and the Prophet looked and he realized that he has not been here for a while. So the Prophet asked Sa'ad bin Mu'ad Ya Aba Amr, Ma sha'nu Thabit? That he said, what's going on with Thabit? Is he sick? And Sa'ad bin Mu'ad says, That he's my neighbor, I don't know if he got sick or not. And then when Sa'ad bin Mu'ad went and spoke to Thabit, and he told him what he was thinking, 
Then Sa'ad brought that news to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard this, he said, بَلْ هُوَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ he said, no, he is from the people of paradise. He is not from the people of hell. But again, I want us to understand and look at this and realize this. The companions were reading the Quran and immediately reflecting and thinking on the, about the Quran. And they were immediately measuring themselves against what they were reading in the Quran. This was not a pastime. This was not an entertainment. This was not even merely a ritual for them. But they, they, they dialed in, they connected with it at a very deep, profound level. Abu Talha ibn al-Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Abu Talha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, another narration in Bukhari. He owned this beautiful garden right across from the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu And it was such a beautiful garden with trees and fruits and a well and water and shade and grass. And it was a beautiful garden that it was so, such a pleasant experience that even the Prophet ﷺ, he himself was very fond of going to that garden and praying there in that garden and spending time in that garden to relieve himself, to just enjoy himself, to take a break. And then one day Abu Talha radiallahu ta'ala anhu comes to the masjid, comes to the gathering of the Prophet And the Prophet tells the companions that the verse of the Qur'an was revealed. You shall not attain piety so long or until you do not spend from that which you love. You cannot attain true piety until you are willing to give up that which you love. He hears this ver verse, immediately walks up to the Prophet ﷺ, and he says, I'd like to donate my garden. I want to immediately donate my garden. Why is that? Ya Rasulullah, Allah says that I cannot attain piety until I give up what I love, and I love this garden. I've worked on it my whole life. It is the apple of my eye. It is my most prized possession. It is the thing that I love, the thing that I take care of. I want to give it to Allah so that I can attain piety. And the Prophet ﷺ instructed him, he said, I advise that instead you share it with the members of your family. And he followed the instruction, the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. But the point of it is that once again, you see that they were interacting with the meaning and the message of the Quran. Asma bint Abi Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anha, a remarkable woman, Zatun Nitaqin. Her father is Abu Bakr, her mother is Umru Man, her sister is Aisha Siddiqah, her husband is Zubair ibn al Awam, her son is Abdullah bin Zubair. So, remarkable, remarkable woman. Asma bin Tabi Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anha, one time she, her grandson narrates that one day in the prayer, she was, she was praying at home and she was reciting Surah At-Tur in her prayer. And she reached the verse, فَمَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا وَوَقَانَا عَذَابَ السَّمُومِ That God blessed us and He protected us from the very horrific punishment of the hellfire. She reached this verse. And she started repeating that verse in her prayer over and over and over and over. And 
And then she finished her prayer. And when she finished her prayer, walking around the house, she kept reading the verse over, فَمَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا وَوَقَانَا عَذَابَ السَّمُونَ Allah blessed us by saving us from the punishment of hellfire. And then he says that she needed to go run some errands. فَذَهَبَتِ لَسُوقِ فِي حَاجَةٍ ثُمَّ رَجَعَتْ وَهِيَ مَا زَالَتْ تُكَرِّرُهَا She went to the marketplace, ran her errands, did her shopping. She came back home. And she was still repeating that verse over and over and over again because she was reflecting on it and thinking on it. Allah gave us this deen. Allah gave us iman. Allah gave us the Quran. Allah gave us Islam. Allah has blessed us. And He has given us the path that can save us from the hellfire. And that's exactly what Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu was talking about. When he says, كَانَ الرَّجُلُ مِنَّا إِذَا تَعَلَّمَ عَشْرَ آيَاتٍ لَمْ يُجَاوِزْهُنَّ حَتَّى يَعْرِفَ مَعَانِيهِنَّ That any one of us, when we would learn the Qur'an, the way we would do it is we would learn 10 verses of the Qur'an and then we would not move forward until we had fully reflected on and understood the meaning of those verses. وَالْعَمَلْ And we learned how to implement those verses within our lives. And in another statement, he goes on further to say, فَتَعَلَّمْنَا الْقُرْآنَ وَالْعَمَلَ جَمِيعًا We learned the Qur'an and we learned to live the Qur'an simultaneously. Learning the words of the Qur'an and the, the, the living the Qur'an were not two separate things, as unfortunately we have done today. But they were simultaneous, they were concurrent, they were one and the same. And... Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says so beautifully, كَانَ الْفَاضِلُ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي صَدْرِ هَذِي الْأُمَّةِ لَا يَحْفَظُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ إِلَّا سُورَةُ نَحْوِهَا He said that the most virtuous people of this ummah from the early days of Islam were the simple, humble people who maybe knew a surah or a couple of surahs. وَرُزِقُوا الْعَمَلَ بِالْقُرْآنِ But they lived it. And then he said, And he said, at the end of the days of this ummah, everyone will know how to read the Qur'an. Blind people will know the Qur'an. Little children will be able to recite the whole Qur'an to you. And that might seem like a beautiful thing, but he says, the problem is they will no longer be living the message. They will no longer be living the message. We need to get back to our roots. We need to go back to our foundations. We need to go back to what made us who we were. And that is to understand the message of the Qur'an, to interact with the meaning of the Qur'an, and to live the life of the Qur'an. And I'll finally conclude with some advice from Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his very famous work, Fawaid, where he says, If you truly want to benefit in your relationship with the Qur'an, When it is being recited, when you are listening to it, whether you are reading it or listening to it, then bring your whole heart completely. And pay attention, listen fully. وَاحْضِرْ حُضُورَ مَنْ يُخَاطِبُهُ بِهِ مَنْ تَكَلَّمَ بِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ مِنْهُ إِلَيْهِ
and be present, being mindful of the fact, being mindful of the one of who is addressing you through this Quran. It is Allah speaking to you. This is God communicating with us through the Messenger because Allah says in Surah Qaf, that in this Quran there is a life changing reminder, there is a life changing realization. لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُ قَلْبٌ أَوْ أَلْقَ السَّمْعَ وَهُوَ شَهِيدٌ For the person whose heart is connected to it, or at the very least, the person is willing to listen very carefully and be fully present. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are present in the presence of the Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who listen attentively and carefully. May Allah make us amongst those who understand the message of the Qur'an. May Allah make us amongst those whose hearts are connected with the Qur'an. And may Allah grant us all the ability to be able to live the life of the Quran. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakumullah khairan. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.